Welcome back, everyone, to season two of the Painted Area NBA podcast. I'm Jacob Stark, joined by my co-host, Garland Reed. Today is January 3rd, 2022. Um, we'll be starting out with a segment called For Better or For Worse, where we'll be looking at teams who are either below expectation or above expectations this season. Then we will get into long-awaited returns uh, with a few players. And then finally, capping it off with the most talented rookie list. It's going to be fun. We'll see you guys there. All right, getting into for better or for worse, we're going to start off by taking a look at teams that are below expectations currently. And the team that is, you know, really going to be the highlight there when anyone talks about uh, being below expectations is the Lakers. Garland, what's the problem there? I think there's a bunch of different problems. You know, I was talking to some people, you know, about this issue and they're like, oh yeah, it's a mix of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, what, but what is the main issue of the Los Angeles Lakers? And I think it's honestly Russell Westbrook at this time. I don't, you know, they did a oh. trade with the Wizards right now. I think the Wizards totally won that trade. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, unprecedented, unprecedented move by Tommy Shepard to turn that contract into role players. I think we've talked about that before. Though. Because, you know, when you're stuck with with Russell Westbrook, you're not only stuck with how he plays, but you're stuck with the gigantic contract that no team wants. Mm-hmm. No team wants. And, you know, Russell Westbrook. He's not playing like an all star. He's putting up. You know, triple doubles every so, you know, every few games. And, but you know, like triple doubles don't really mean anything if you're turning the ball over and you lose the game. No, the Lakers stand 19 and 19 right now. Um, Russell Westbrook's turning the ball over four point on average, 4.85 times per game. No, yeah, I mean, that's he's blowing. I've been watching, you know, the Lakers recently because they're always on national television because you know, LeBron, but you know, it was a it was one game. I think it was against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies came back down like I don't know, 14 or something, double digits. And they beat the Lakers again. They did this earlier in the season. And Russell Westbrook had three wide open layups that he just missed. And then turning the ball over, shooting when he's not supposed to shoot um, is insane. So I have a few problems with the Lakers. The biggest one I think is Russell Westbrook. I, there's no way they can trade him unless – led GM does some insane manipulation and, you know, gets him off his team. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to happen because they're, you know, the chemistry's there. They're too good of friends. That's just, you know, how it is. Unless Russell Westbrook requests a trade, which he probably won't. I don't think the Lakers are using him the correct way in a way that, you know, sometimes it is Russell Westbrook just not making shots that he should make. But I think he just needs a different role. Um, that's the biggest issue that I think there is. Second, it's defense. I'm watching so, so many times. Um, I think it's the most recent game where sometimes on offense, it's 4v5. And LeBron's on the other side of the court just waiting. Which isn't yep. really a big – like, you know, it's 4v5 that not only – helps the defense in that situation of the other opponent, you know, the, the other team. But, like, let's say they, Westbrook shoots a shot, probably bricks it. 
then it's like a 3v1 against LeBron. And that's like the best defense that they possibly have. They can have at that moment. And that's saying so much because even in a 5v5 standpoint, the Lakers just get beat off. They're just lazy, honestly. It's not even, you know, bad defense. Like you have AD out there when he's in, I mean, when he's healthy and LeBron who's got snubbed out of a DPOY back in the day. I think it's just defense. Third of all is AD. I was, I was discussing with some people that AD, like who's the bigger problem, Russell Westbrook or AD? And I know Russell Westbrook, he had this with the Wizards. He had this with a little bit of the Rockets for a short, you know, period of time there in Houston that he always is, you know, kind of shaky at the first half of the season. And then the second half, he kind of, you know, comes to terms and is solid, you know, not MVP level, not superstar level, maybe all-star level, hopefully, but he's, he's better than he is in the first half of the season. But AD at some point, I think it was in October or November, he was shooting 17% from three. And this is not bubble AD. This is not the AD that we saw in the past, you know, 17% from three when a few years ago you were considered a top five player is insane. It's, it's AD. I know he's injured right now, but I guess he's just not to the standard that many have to hold him. I mean, I know I was lengthy, but those are my top three. I uh, mean, to, to expand on that AD point, you know, we all remember the weird season in the bubble when the Lakers won the championship. And yes, LeBron had an incredible playoff run, but so did Anthony Davis. Anthony mm-hmm. Davis really expanded his game, showing us all that he could shoot threes. He did everything all over the floor. Um, and, you know, he was extremely impactful. LeBron won finals MVP, but it just as easily could have gotten to Anthony Davis. So I think that really proves that if the Lakers want to win and they want to they wanna do well in the playoffs, they need Anthony Davis to be performing at, at that level, you know, Russell Westbrook playing at an all-star level, I don't think would really fix it. LeBron, they need, especially in that tough Western conference with even teams, you know, in the middle of the pack, like Memphis, which we're going to talk about a little later being, you know, deadly, you need another superstar. And Anthony Davis needs to play at that superstar level, which we know he can play at. And he also needs to stay healthy, which he, um, uh, he's struggling with and he always has struggled with. So uh, those are my two points with AD. With Russ, they, they can't trade him unless they trade for Ben Simmons or John Wall. Those are the only two players you can get. Um, and I don't and know. The Sixers don't I, want Russell yeah, Westbrook. I don't think the Sixers want Russell Westbrook. I think I, I, I don't think the Rockets do either. I mean, you would. I think in both of those situations, you would have to add on picks to make them take it. Because why would they? Why would they do it? Um, so I, I don't think he gets traded. I think that's, I think that's totally out of the window. Um, but Anthony Davis needs to get healthy and Russell Westbrook needs to stop shooting threes and, you know, change his play style a little bit. Last year, you know, he's shooting about the same amount of threes per game at around four uh, that, he, that he is this year than he was last year with the Wizards. Um, but with the Wizards, he was the guy. You know, Beal was there and Beal, you know, arguably the better player last year. But Russell Westbrook was the guy with the ball in his hands. You know, he was 
he was kind of like when you thought of the alpha on the Wizards team of last year, you thought of Russell Westbrook. So him taking those shots, you know, and dribbling out the clock, it was annoying at times, but it wasn't completely inappropriate because he was the guy. When you're on a team with LeBron James and you're shooting a three-point shot at 30% a clip, you can't be taken for a game. I mean, you can't you can't do that. You can't be dribbling the ball as long as he is. You can't be turning it over. So I think he needs to slightly adjust his play style because he's he is skilled. I mean, we all know it. We all saw it just a few months ago. And we all we see flashes of it now when you watch Lakers games. He can play. But he's gotta he's gotta change his play style a little bit. And maybe that chemistry will come throughout uh throughout the season, maybe at the all-star break when they can get healthy. But uh yeah, I mean, and the other thing, they lost, I mean, their their team has changed a lot since uh since the offseason. They've lost, I feel like, some of those hustle guys. Alex Caruso, real hustle guy. You know, he would really pump up the team. Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, ta- you know, THT is, you know, he's he's out there, but like, yeah, he's, he's not impacting the game in a different way. You know. Yeah. He's just a, a young player. You know, averaging ten. Cool. But he's not helping in any other way. You know, he doesn't have like that go-to, um, go-to thing. Like when I think of players that aren't, you know superstars but like really good role players i think of marcus smart i know we hate the celtics but like marcus smart is known for one thing is which is hustle and that helps on his you know defense and just overall gameplay but like you know they don't have any of those those role players who are known for one thing they're just average at everything yep yeah, I mean, I think that sums it up with the Lakers. Um, and, and, you know, they're not a deep team also, their bench. They're just not a deep team. They're not They're not deep. They have a lot of veteran experience. But, like, this team is reminding me right now of the 2018 Cavs. Hmm. LeBron has to drop 30-plus 30, 30 double-double or triple-double per game just to, you know, get by. And that's yeah. what he, he's been on a he's been on a you know a 30 plus game streak i think for his last six games and you know sometimes they're losing those and you know you can't blame lebron you can't i know uh what frank vogel is not back yet and you can't really blame the coaching you can't blame covid because of that but yeah just getting he's getting no help even though russell westbrook's putting up these you know triple doubles you know he's he's not really helping and you got to think, usually LeBron, especially in the second half of the season, he's got to take rest days. I mean, the guy's, what, 37 years old? I mean, he takes rest days, especially down the stretch. And if this Lakers team can't get in a, in a better position, he's not going to be able to do that. And um, that makes you wonder if he's going to be as uh, as healthy as he usually is down the stretch. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's also something to think about, even though we're, we're still kind of early in the season. Yeah. So moving on, the second team that has really been an underperformer all year is the Knicks. The New York Knicks. One thing, I mean, their leading scorer is Julius Randle with 19, leading rebounder is Julius Randle with 10, and then assist is also Julius Randle with five. I remember – Last season, you were like, yeah, Julius Randle's going to have an MVP season. 
I'm not saying I'm not saying saying that that's an insane take. Yeah. I just think, you know, Julius Randle, you know, you can put up, you know, 19, 10, 5 on average. Um, but he's not a superstar yet. I don't think he's MVP caliber yet. And a lot of these teams, I think it's I don't think it's that they don't have the talent. They're a really well-balanced team. I just think it's, you know, working together mostly trying to get that chemistry up like with the Kemba thing Kemba was out of the rotation for some reason I think I did do with I I watched uh, not watched I uh, read some articles on this where Kemba had like the worst when he's on the court the, the offense is all you know goes up a little bit but the defensive side of the ball it's terrible when he's out on the court and I yeah. think that's what they were what they were looking at and so Tom was like yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to put you in the rotation anymore, which is which sounds insane because it's Kemba Walker. And then when Kemba, when they finally have to put him in because of COVID-related issues, Kemba drops a triple-double in 42 points. Um, so I don't think it's that they don't have the talent. They clearly have the talent. You know, Randall, I, I love RJ. Kemba, you know, has shown what he can do. They're also very young. But comparing, comparing them to last year, I think they can still get into the playoffs, of course. But I think it's just finding, I guess, the, the chemistry or fixing one of these issues that I don't think I know what the issue is yet. But. Look, this team, they, they don't have the star power that other teams in, in the Eastern Conference have. You know, they, they've got Julius Randle. Um, but when you're dealing with the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets, and I guess even the Bulls now, that star power, it doesn't really, it doesn't really match. Um, so they have to win with their depth and their chemistry, like you said, and, you know, their role players. And, you know, they're good at finding talent. Like Alec Burks came out of nowhere, and he is a very productive player this year. Um, Nerlens Noel... He was kind of a nobody, and now he's he's just a very good defensive center. But it's just not enough anymore. I think last year it was it was enough, and then this year they've taken a minor step back, combined with the Eastern Conference taking a major step forward. So I think it's I think it's just they're they're getting outmatched here. Um, Derek Rose is out for um, for a very long time. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact timetable on him, but it was a major injury. And um, that's, that's just a problem for him. I, I don't think that um, – I don't really see him getting better unless, unless you know, Julius Randle comes out of nowhere after the All-Star break and becomes an MVP-level player. I think that's the only route in this, think- uh, in this new tough Eastern Conference. I think we're both kind of like we're kind of speechless because we don't really know. Like they have the depth, they have a lot of good players. They don't have a superstar player yet, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd say Julius Randle's a star. He's right. Just, he can. He's proven that he's an all-star caliber player, but he's not a superstar that can lead a team uh, to a playoff run and eventually NBA championship because that's the goal. But we, I don't know if it's, I don't know a lot about the the team. I watched some Knicks games. 
Um, maybe it's defense. Like, like I said before, defense has been struggling. Um, also, it's just spacing the floor for people. But I, there isn't really like a, a main issue besides maybe chemistry, which, which is surprising because, you know, a lot of these players came back. You know, they only lost uh, Reggie Bullock, who, by the way, every single time I see him play, he just hits a three. Every single that time. guy. I mean, I I don't see why they needed to get Evan Fournier when they had Bullock. I, no, why, no, like way. why? Why? why Bullock, I think, is better. In my opinion, I think is better than Evan Fournier, and Evan Fournier is being overpaid by a long shot. Look, we when when that contract hit, we both agreed. I mean, we thought it was crazy. I mean, he's averaging 13, 13 three and two. I mean, he's um, solid, but being. 40% from the floor, 36 from three. Surprisingly, he's shooting only 76 from the free throw line, which... Yeah, that's actually very low. For, and then averaging for one him. steal per game. But, uh, like, like, for an example, you know, this was... Um, he was the Knicks' big signing. They, they were a team everyone kind of knew, like, this is a good team, but they do need another star if they want to win a championship, basically. I mean, that's kind of... That was kind of the bottom line. The Knicks knew it. Everyone knew it. And their their big signing was Evan Fournier. I mean, his usage percentage is fourth on the team. You know, that was their big signing. Like, they, they're they not using him as much as, you know, you would want that star guy to be. He's not that. Um, So I think that was just kind of a botched, botched free agency when, especially with how well other uh, Eastern Conference teams did. Mm-hmm. They, they, I think they botched it. And also, a, a lot has to, you know, when you think of cap room, you think of the New York Knicks. And you, if you're using that cap room to sign Evan Fournier on a ridiculous deal, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of signings that I just don't agree with. Like, um, another one is like Laurie Markinen on that ridiculous deal when you already have Jerry Allen, Evan Mobley, and you already have Kevin yeah, Love that on that ridiculous sense. contract. That didn't make sense to me. But back to Fournier. If, if you have that much cap room at the time, this was last free agency. So, you know, last summer I'm, I'm looking for, you know, players that a big market in New York, you have a lot of cap room. I'm not looking at Evan Fournier as my, you know, my, my big pickup. Right. I guess the only other pickup that was better than that was Kemba at the time. And then maybe re-signing Derrick Rose. They didn't pay Kemba a lot, though. You know, he was kind of just like, like yeah, Evan Evan Fournier was kind of their splash. I mean, sign, I mean like signing wise, like talent wise. Yeah, Kemba is a is a Kemba's is better, a better than Evan player, Fournier. Yes. But, like but if I had to of, give the money to someone, either Kemba or Fournier, I would give it to Kemba, even though they would both be overpaid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really like either of them right now, but uh, yeah. It's the New York Knicks, you know, New York teams always have a problem. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen A. Always starting with the fans, though. Yeah. The fans are annoying. So maybe they had one. I mean, maybe maybe they, they can still definitely sneak in. I mean, this is not. This is not over for the Knicks. They're 11th right now and with the play in tournament, especially. 
I think they're a team that could do pretty well in that. Um, but not where not where people expected them to be. But uh, maybe that's because of some of the teams that we're going to be talking about in the second part of the segment. Next, we have teams that are above expectations. First on our list is the Chicago Bulls. We, me and Jacob talked a little bit about this before. Um, and if you guys remember, I think it might have been our last season one episode or uh, second to last or something like that. We did standings. Every year we do standings. Uh, I don't like where this is going. I had I don't like Chicago. What, what, top five? I think maybe yeah top I, five. I don't remember exactly, but you had them high and I didn't have them. I had them. I had them high. I, I was like, you know, putting these players together is gonna be just in, in, everything that you expected from all-star caliber players and young players, plus more. You know, Demar Derozan. I think when he was in San Antonio, he was underrated. He was underappreciated. Again, San well, Antonio, you know, we, you know, we talk about San Antonio a lot. Being we, we have to address the that, fact that they're just a boring team. That nobody watches them, so their players are going to be inherently underrated. Um, you know, signing. They had one of the best off seasons and free agencies this summer. You know, signing Caruso, signing Lonzo Ball course signing DeMar DeRozan the leader of the team um along with you know joining players such as Zach Levine who we talk about underrated players Zach Levine is probably still I'd say he's still underrated oh he's absolutely still underrated he's been underrated his whole career his entire even when he's in Minnesota and right now he's in the shadow of DeMar DeRozan um you know they have Vucevic I think he's he was overrated when he was with uh, he was with the magic and a little bit. I, I think he's properly rated now just because people are finally realizing that he's, he's, you know, he's, he's an all-star. He, he wasn't all-star before, but he's yeah. a really good role player. Now he's the, like, one of the top role players. And then you have people like Kobe White who are still there and he, you know, he's been battling COVID and injuries and he's not, you know, I think he came back a few, a few games ago, but he's still, you know, not that, uh, up to health is what I'm trying to get at that. Um, and they're right now, as we're speaking, they're the top seed in the East. Seven game win streak. They haven't lost a game since December 11th. I saw, I think I saw that somewhere. Back to back game winners by DeMar DeRozan, as everyone has seen, which hurt as a Wizards fan <laughs> a lot. I just want, I just want to give a shout out to Kyle Kuzma real fast. His heroics will be forgotten. He hits. We The Wizards were down by one point with the ball with 14 seconds to go. Kyle Kuzma hits a deep three, nails it with three seconds left on the clock. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. What looked like to be the game winner did not end up being the game winner. The Wizards lose the game by one point, and that shot will forever be forgotten. So... Just want to mention that. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, it's, I think the most insane part about this team, to me at least, is, I'll get into another fact, but DeMar DeRozan's averaging 26, almost 27, and Zach Levine 
is also averaging 25 to 26 points per mm-hmm. game. That's insane. And when you team it up with Vucevic, who averages around 11 rebounds per game, and then Lonzo Ball, who's debatably one of the best playmakers in the NBA. And then also on top of that, you add Alex Caruso, who is defensive, who's a defensive monster with two steals per game and hustles every single play. I, I, it can't really get better than that. And this team just, this team just fits like Lonzo ball, you know, he's making a real big impact and hitting threes, but he's only um, currently at a 17% usage, which is huge when you have guys like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine and Vucevic who need the ball. So if you want to have a fourth guy, that's, you know, really good, he's got to be, he's got to, you know, be good without the ball in his hands. And that's what he's doing in only 17% usage. It's, it's, you know, very impressive, you know, to put that in perspective, LaMelo balls at 27% usage, Alonzo's at 17. So that's a stat that I don't think anyone talks about that. I think is a really speaks to what he's done this season. All right. This is supposed to be like a positive segment, you know, above expectations. Mm-hmm. I'd say the only thing that the bulls are lacking, which might, you know, show up if some player gets injured or, you know, fouls out in an important playoff game, stuff like that, is that I'm looking at their team right now, and I know they lost Patrick Williams. I just imagine if he was there. That, yeah, that, that hurt. That would have been insane. That hurt. Um, but they're not that deep. You know, they have Kobe they don't White, have, Alex they don't Russo. Have they don't have size off the bench. Derek Jones Jr. is a freak of an athlete. But, yeah, like I was saying, I mean, they got Tony Bradley, the GOAT. But like that, that's uh, it. I don't know. I'm a I'm a big I, Tony Bradley fan. I like Kobe White. I like um uh Dasun Mu. I, I might botch that. I don't know. I yeah, I, I think he's he's a really good guy to have a bench. I like Derek Jones, but they don't have size off the bench, you're right. Um so is that gonna come back to bite him, especially maybe in a in a playoff series against say Philadelphia 76ers or the Cleveland Cavaliers who just have who have a lot of size the Cleveland Cavaliers have to be I I, I don't know this but they have to be top three tallest teams they are insane they They like we said before Laurie Markkinen Kevin Love Evan Mobley Jared Allen who's been playing insane still underrated um still super underrated I'm probably forgetting someone. But even with those four, like you're talking, you know, six foot 10 plus players right there. Maybe six foot 10. I don't know the average. I don't have the stats up in front of me right now, but still, you get the point. Yeah. Tall players are just going to see the, the bulls, let's say, if all their bigs foul out and just see ants and just abuse that. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I think that the Cavs are definitely a team that we can agree is worse than the Bulls, but they're one of those teams that really match matches up to them. And, you know, that's going to be a real test for a guy like DeMar DeRozan. What can he do in the situation where his team is at the disadvantage? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's something we haven't really seen from him yet. He hasn't. This is kind of his first year as the superstar, so. We'll see. 
Um, okay. Next, we have the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I know we – I was talking about this before the season started. I had the Grizzlies making the playoffs, but I had them as, like, maybe a six seed best. And right now they're, they're fourth in the West. Um, I know that has to do with some of the Lakers' troubles and, you know, the Clippers having injuries and on, losing Paul George and, of course, Kawhi. And who knows if Kawhi's going to come back. But still, even – you have to give credit to, you know, our credit is earned. The Memphis Grizzlies are surprisingly a deep team, a young, deep team, um, you know, led by John Morant, who debatably, I still, I think, just because I haven't seen Zion in a while, he's probably top Zion with best rookie from that draft class. I think it, I think it's way too early to tell, obviously, like you said, but I think, yeah, I think As like, right in, in the sports card world, I would rather pull a job than Zion. Um, and then you have Dylan Brooks, uh, who's, who's been out for a few games, but he's, he's been out for a few games. He's yeah. he's been playing really well. Um, you know, he's they've they've been on this four game win streak. You know, without Brooks, but um, if they if they can get him back and you know keep on this stride, they'll be they'll be really scary because he was he was playing really well and he was you know a very key option for them. And then Desmond Bain. Des, dude, Desmond, Desmond Bain. Bain. I, I'm not going to lie. I was a Desmond Bain hater for a little bit just because one of my good friends is a Grizzlies fan. Mm. And, you know, got to talk, got to talk some trash. Yeah. But uh, Desmond Bain's really good. I guess the only thing that I would worry about him is that, yes, he's a good defender, but I don't, I don't think he'll be able to defend, you know, superstars like LeBron or any of those, you know, type of caliber players for so, for so long, you know? Right. Um, Desmond Bain, he's been going insane. Probably if not top, probably top three, I'm, I'm spacing on the draft class for a little bit, but one of the most underrated players from his draft class. Yeah. Um, if not the most. Um, then you also, of course, have Triple J. Jaren yeah, Jackson. very, very lengthy uh, front court for them, which, which is a nice compliment to to their, you know, first three. And last but not least, of course, you have Stephen Adams, who's always been a solid uh, center. Um, you know, at this time with the Thunder, of course, and then the Pelicans, mm-hmm. and then now the Grizzlies. He's been always good. Um, the only thing, of course, we always got to analyze the entire team and I, you know, it's supposed to be a positive segment here, but the only team, I mean, the only thing, sorry, the only thing is playoff experience and maybe a little bit of depth. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I mean, they're, they are a very, very young team. Um, but Look, it, it, they've got a bright future, and there's only one way to get playoff experience, and that's to get into the playoffs. So that's what they're going to do. And John Morant, I think he's proven himself to be a leader this year. So we're going to see how he's going to do in the postseason. I mean, this is not a team that any any of these, you know, 
top Western Conference teams want to face in the second round. I mean, if you're, I don't know, Utah, like Utah is, is would be scared of Memphis in the second round. I think, um, like they're just they're they're a tough team. They're they're dangerous. They go on runs and they're tough to stop. Now I finally, you know, am experiencing just because the Grizzlies were, you know, kind of kind of bad back um, after you know, after they lost Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley and Tony Allen and of course Zach Randolph. Um, but now I feel like we're finally getting the experience of the grit and grind Grizzlies, you know, yeah. that, that staple on a team that, you know, we might not look like one of the best teams, but we'll, we'll sure compete as if we're the best team out there. Um, but, you know, young team, you got you got to give it to them. You know, like I said before, at the start of this, you got to give respect um, when it's earned. And I think they, the Grizzlies are definitely uh, should have a lot of respect right now, especially the way they've been playing with all these young players. Absolutely. You know, moving on to our last team in the exceeding expectations category, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this Cleveland Cavaliers team is exceeding expectations even right now. But you can't help but think, what if? They have lost Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton, two impactful guards to season-ending injuries. How good do you think this team would have been if those guys didn't go down? I mean, Colin Sexton, I he got injured early in the year, um, so yeah, Ricky Rubio is fresh. I don't, I don't really know how the team would have looked with him. I, I I mean, of course, Colin Sexton is in the past year has been very, very good. But um, I think people are getting the sense that, you know, they didn't re-sign him. They're going to move on from Colin Sexton. Um, he's injured now. So we're getting a, a look of what things or what the team would be without Colin Sexton. It's not just, you know, he's been, he, he's been healthy for the entire year. And then finally next year we get to see what the Cavs are like. This is what the Cavs look like without Colin Sexton. And they're surprisingly really good. Like if you don't, they didn't waver. They did not waver at all. I mean, no. And you know, like you said, Ricky Rubio, he was playing fantastic. I think that one really hurts. I mean, he was he he had to play a lot of minutes after Colin Sexton. He was you know very high usage percentage after that, and he was really stepping up. And you know, for a guy who had kind of a few years ago everyone knew his name and he had kind of fallen out of stardom for a little bit not that he was a star star but you know what i mean um and it was it was just a great story to me i loved seeing him do well and it's just Mm -hmm. it's just so sad it's like this whole cleveland cavaliers team they were finally things were finally going going their way and they just had another terrible blow not that they're gonna um you know not that they're gonna become a bad team but that that really hurts their depth especially now Isaac Okoro who was you know their starting shooting guard is he's out for uh a couple weeks with a um with a left elbow sprain 
So very unfortunate. That that sucks. I mean, that's temporary, obviously, but you hope that with um with the sudden you know taking of depth that they've experienced that they don't uh go on a losing streak and just kind of go on a downward spiral from there into the second half of the season, which can happen and has happened to other teams before, but guys have to step up. It's, it's very, it's actually kind of ironic how you're just talking about the Grizzlies. Like, again, they're similar in the way that they're very young. They're still Mm -hmm. very young, but they still have that veteran presence, you know, in Kevin Love, Uh, some in Laurie Markkinen, some. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Kevin Love lighting it up. Excuse me, lighting it up, by the way. But it's – I the last the last Cavs game I saw was against the Wizards, and the Wizards won, I, I don't know, probably like, – I think it was double digits. Um, you'll probably know it better than me. Um, that was a it was a it was a weird game. Both um, – There's just no defense that game, but I know – Both, both teams were missing – uh, we're missing everyone on COVID. There was no Jared Allen, mm-hmm. uh, and there was no Darius Garland. So, Darius Garland, by the way, is, I mean, I have to have a little bit of bias. I, I love the man. Um, but you know, he's been playing insanely, insanely well for you know what people are expecting him to play. Um, oh yeah, I mean, he's he he is. I mean, he's not the guy, but and he's he's got the ball in his hands, you know. Yeah. Like, and he, he really blends well with that front court. So, um, do you like, do you think that they'll get out of the first round? I want to see him. I want to see how they play without Ricky Rubio. I think Rubio was a really, really big impact on their team. And I think, especially in the playoffs, having a guy like that helps so much. Um, a veteran guy. You can just come in. You know what you're getting. And now I, I just don't know who's going to come off their bench and play guard and play hey, Rondo. Ray. I mean, they got Rondo, but he's 36 years old. He's 36. We know playoff Rondo is real, but when <laughs> Rondo is not LeBron James, when is Rondo going to stop? When is playoff Rondo going to stop? So I'm not going to put my trust in Rajon Rondo. I think they definitely can, but they're the five seed right now. Are they really going to beat the four seed Miami Heat? No, no, no. They're not um, going to be. They're not going to beat the four seed Miami Heat. That's if the playoffs started today. I mean, this is why they're if they the drop to the expectations. If, if they yeah. drop to the six seed, are they going to beat the Bucks? Hell no. So no, I don't think they win a playoff series, but. They're going to make the playoffs, and that for the Cleveland Cavaliers is above expectations. They're the best team since LeBron left. Absolutely. And it's honestly, this, I, mean, I this agree. Team I don't would see be. them. I don't see them going out. You know, to the second round, and I just see them you know, yeah. packing their bags. Probably game five. Yeah, round. yeah. I mean, um, if they drop down to the play-in tournament, I think that they'll probably get out of the play-in tournament. But I don't think that uh, I don't. I don't think that they can beat any of those top four teams. Well, that was our first segment. Next, we have long-awaited returns. 
right, getting into the second segment, long-awaited returns. This is a short list, but an impactful list. So starting it off with the guy who has seemingly been out forever, Clay Thompson. Video surfaced of him shooting 24 threes in a row. He's supposed to make his return any day now. Um, it actually said uh, they're aiming for Sunday against the Cavs. Sunday against the Cavs. Well, we just talked about the Cavs. Um, so this Warriors team is the best team in basketball. And they might not look like it, but they are. I mean, uh, they're, they're so balanced. dude. Yeah, they're so balanced. They're 28 and seven. I mean, they're the, they're, they are right now the best team record wise in basketball. And they're about to get back Clay Thompson, who he's not going to play on back to backs. Probably, you know, he's it's not going to. It's it's not like you're gonna get you know prime Clay Thompson at all or let alone right away, um, but this is a team that's that's had guys you know stepping up on the offensive end maybe more than they need to, and now you get a guy like Clay Thompson who is just really really easy to play around. He doesn't really muck things up at all. I mean, if you have a guy who what he he got like. I forget how many points it was, but like 16 dribbles with like, you know, that game. I forget yes, how many yes. points. I don't know if it's um, 30 or 60, something like that. It was something crazy. I remember that game like, exactly. 16 yeah. dribbles. 16 right dribbles. Right. Yeah. 16, 16 dribbles. If that's literally somehow he's so impactful with just 16 dribbles. You know, he's not. I know. Like you don't, he doesn't need the, I mean, he obviously needs the ball in his hands to shoot, but he just kind of stands there until you need him. And now you get a guy like Jordan Poole who can come off the bench and lead that bench squad. And Jordan Poole, by the way, is having an incredible season. He is super talented offensively. So, I think every single player on that team is well, – not every single player, but, like, you know, the, the well-known ones um, are having, if not – I wouldn't say the greatest season because I think mm-hmm. Curry has, has uh, yeah, yeah, yeah seasons, you know, um, of course. But still, Curry having probably Lincoln's. one of the most memorable seasons. I, I'm going to phrase it that way, of his career this year. Um, Clay Thompson, a season that he'll never forget. You know, coming off of probably mm-hmm. two of the worst, most common injuries in the yeah. NBA: Achilles and ACL. Um, Andrew Wiggins, surprisingly, he's been really good. And honestly, my favorite player up next, my favorite player on the team, I usually go, I usually, in the past, I didn't really like him just because I was, I'm a LeBron fan. But Draymond Green is the heart and soul he totally of the is. team. And he's top three for DPOY right now. And he doesn't score a lot, but he rebounds, he assists, he plays defense, of course. And it's we're finally back with the big three of Draymond, Curry, and Clay, of course. Yeah. And you know, I guess I I brought this up with all the teams I already talked about, but I don't see any like the only thing the Warriors I wouldn't say even have to change because they're doing everything right, of course, right now. Uh, they're playing defense. Their defense is good. They're the best team in basketball. Offense is impeccable, and they're going to get even better. It's just 
I guess injuries might be the worst thing. It's not even that bad, but like Clay Thompson coming back, James Wiseman coming back. Yeah, I was gonna say James Wiseman estimated return right now is the 21st so if he can come back take kevin kevin kevon looney's spot as the starting center you know he showed some promise last year james wiseman and this team could get real scary man um and the the warriors like when you think of the warriors all you think honestly i don't say all you think but the first thing you think of probably is just three-point shooting and that's where they get you Every single player on the floor, probably except like Kevon Looney, mm-hmm. can shoot the three ball. Igudala. Otto Porter. I want Igudala. He had a, a nasty, <laughs> a nasty dagger a few a few games ago. Jordan Poole, who's been playing out of his mind. He, he is so skilled. Year, he is so skilled. Top yeah. candidate. Of course, Curry Clay, Andrew Wiggins. People, you know, when you got traded to uh, Golden State in that D'Lo trade, um, people are like, "Oh yeah, it's Andrew Wiggins. You might move him." But no, he's been he's been you know caring more than what you were supposed to load wise. Yeah, and hey, don't forget about the um, the former Wizards great Otto Porter. Oh, Otto. <laughs> Otto Porter. The only thing. What a signing that was. I mean, look, Otto Porter. He was he was pretty good with the Wizards. He had one really great playoff. But he's on he's on the minimum contract right now, and he is balling for for what That's he's what expected to, to be. Say. Literally, you they got Otto Porter probably. I wouldn't say at his best as a player, but just as his best as a signing. You know, he's yeah, off of that insane contract, and he's playing more than what he's getting paid. I mean, they're paying a rack of basketballs for him. I mean, and he's playing better than he was last year, easily. What was, so. it? What was he on, Chicago? Yeah, he was on Chicago. Wow. He had, he had um, that insane game where he was heat-checking things like it was layups. Um, but yeah. yeah, and we also haven't talked about really the rookies on that team who haven't really gotten the chance to make a big impact yet. Kaminga and Moses Moody, you know, they played a little yeah. bit of COVID here and there. But Moses. I know Moses is your guy. I mean, they put I him mean, in the G League. And, yeah, of course, that's like, – that's you probably do that. Those are both, you know, early first-round picks. Like, who – I mean, you know, it makes sense that they really haven't broken the lineup yet, but they've got some upside even this season. You know, they – you never know with guys like that. Like Obi Toppin of the Knicks is the perfect example. He didn't really do anything to start off last season, but down the stretch and in the playoffs, he became a key role player. So um, they could I, they could really step into that role. I I said this when they were on draft night, and it's like the Warriors have become. I'm not I'm not gonna compare them to you know the organizations such as the Lakers and the. The Celtics probably, if not even debatable, maybe debatable on who's the bigger organization and who has the most impact in um, in the history of the NBA. But in the last decade, the Golden State Warriors have been a powerhouse of basketball. You know, starting with Curry and uh, of course the Durant era um, for that little time period, but even when they were even when they were bad last year because of injuries somehow they're they were put in the most perfect situation with those two draft picks 
Mm-hmm. And even the year before that with James Wiseman, um, it's a process, of course, you know, waiting a couple of years or two or three years to, for that to kind of pan out on what it is. But you have to give credit to Steve Kerr and the coaching staff on, you know, what, they, what they've been doing. I don't think they get enough credit. And they're really good at um, uh, just getting players, you know, to their to their highest peak of yeah, their full know, potential. Their I full mean, potential. You look especially at guys, guards, especially guards. Oh yeah, especially. I mean, Gary Payton the second. He was he was kind of nowhere, you know, on a bunch of G League teams for a few years. He goes to the Warriors, and he's a pretty good role player for him. I mean, he's. He's averaging eight points a game on 63% shooting. Like he is a very efficient backup guard. Um, and probably example. every single time, I think there was, I think it was October maybe, we had like my Instagram and every sing, single social media platform that I was on. Oh, yeah. Gary Payne dunking. Yeah. He's a beast. Like, where did that come from? I remember. He's, no, I he's always seeing... been like that. He's all, ever since, uh, ever since his college days. Like when he came out of the league, he was a high. He was I don't think he was probably um, – I think it was more of that – the last time I remember seeing him play before the Warriors was probably the Wizards. Um, I just don't – you he, know, the, the Warriors he, are good at finding – I guess using their players correctly. Yeah. You know? Um, it's yeah, like Gary Bill Payton. Belichick, man. They're, they're so good at just succeeding with guards and just making guards better. Yeah. Like, I mean, they don't – they're they're the best team in the NBA, and they don't really have a center right now. I mean, it's like – it's crazy. That's the, like – that's the one thing about them. If they just had a – I'm not saying James, James Wiseman is good, but he's injured and he hasn't been playing, and who knows? No one really – I don't really know enough about yeah. him because he hasn't played. But the last – I don't even say good. I mean, I'd say above average because I remember he had this one game um, where he had like three blocks, but Andrew Bogut, that's that last center I remember Andrew being, Bogut. being solid for them. You know, Kevon Looney, eh, eh. Uh, yeah. yeah, Andrew Bogut is all right. But if they get James Wiseman and, you know, use him to his full potential and get him better, it's, it's, it's crazy how they can become even better than they are right now. And they're still the best team in basketball. Yeah. I mean, they, would you say they're the favorite to win it all right now? You know what? That's it's tough. That's it a is, tough question. Tough. Cause it's it like, tough. it, my answer depends. Cause I think Trey Young said something about this. I don't remember the last quote, but like the regular season is nothing, literally nothing compared mm-hmm. to the playoffs. That's why we call, you know, for a foot, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go to the NFL for a little bit, but like playoff Brady and then back to basketball, playoff LeBron. We were just you know? talking about playoff Rondo. Playoff Rondo. The margin between how players, uh, play in the regular season in the playoffs is so large you you can't even compare the two i remember i don't i don't know when this was but i just remember it was an interview with kevin love and he was talking about 
oh yeah, you know, the 2016 Cavs and that team. And he was, this is not a direct quote, but um, it was along the lines of, yeah, we were just messing around in the regular season. You know, we didn't really care about the regular season because we knew we were going to make the playoffs. So an, another fact is if they're playing this well in the regular season, imagine playoff clay, playoff Draymond, playoff Curry. But again, you're going up against players like playoff LeBron. Yeah. And I mean, West. playoff LeBron, that's a guy they could face in the first round. You never know. It's you never know. Um, and, you know, don't count out the Phoenix Suns. Don't count out the Utah Jazz. Denver Nuggets, Memphis, who we talked about. You can't playoff, count these two. Playoff guys. Dylan Brooks. Playoff that Dylan same Brooks. series against the Jazz. He did last year. Um, and, yeah. yeah, and I mean, look, I think that uh, them being the favorite is also going to depend on our next long-awaited return who is Kyrie Irving. So this, this is an interesting one. Clay Thompson is not going to be playing on back-to-back, most likely for a while. That is, you know, expected. Kyrie Irving will not be playing any home games. I was talking about this, or I, I'm not really talking, I just I have a group chat with them, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I put it in there. Kyrie Irving, the third-best point guard i mean point, i see him as a point guard you, even though sometimes he plays the shooting guard position here i still see him as a point guard um third best point guard in the league behind curry and damian lillard but he's only gonna be playing like you said only road games because he's not vaccinated or until he gets vaccinated which people don't know like let's say hypothetically let's say something hypothetical this could probably happen that he never gets vaccinated mm-hmm. When I was thinking about, the, about this, like, oh, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, on the road, they're going to be better than, that, than what they are now. Um, that's what people think. That's what I think. And then at home, they're not going to have Kyrie, but they're still going to be good, of course. Um, they're going to be a top team in the East. But imagine if Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated, what does that mean for playoffs? You know, when they go they back-to-back games at home, of course, and then back-to-back games away he's not going to be playing in two of those games, at least two of the games. So how does that affect the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs? And if the Nets main or continue to be a top seed in um, the Eastern conference, he won't be playing in game seven. I mean, it's also, I'm thinking of it in an optimistic way. Like it's, it's because of course, the coaching staff and Steve Nash are going to make plans for home games and away games with Kyrie, without Kyrie. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing the Nets, you have to change up your entire way of basketball for away games and home games. Because you, you have to, who's going to guard Kyrie? How are you going to play them differently on defense? Mm-hmm. How are you going to play them differently on offense? So I think it's kind in an optimistic way. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how teams will, especially in a seven-game series, how teams will react to Kyrie playing and not playing. Do you think that there's going to be chemistry issues with Kyrie only playing, you know, about half the games? I, I, don't, 
I don't think so. I don't think it's chemistry. I think it's because at least what the media is showing us is that Katie is everybody on the team is hyped to have him back. Katie is ecstatic to have him back. Or maybe not chemistry, but like, you think they're just going to, you know, have some, you know, the players are going to have some issues constantly switching back between two game plans, which are clearly going to be so different. Is he, or is he going to fit in there like a lock and key every time he comes back in? If he, Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. I think, I think you're for the NBA. You know, this is what you this is what you should expect. Different game plans. You know, you have to adjust to the system. <clears throat> but ah, I, I don't think they'll be it's mad tough. necessarily. I don't think they'll be mad. I just think like it's tough for players to you know, half the time be um, without, you know, a star that's going to totally change the game plan. Like missing, you know, players all the time don't play back-to-backs for whatever reason, but that's not nearly as frequent as like road games. So, or home games. Um, I think there'll be more, more of the weight on KD and Harden's back. Yeah. And on Kyrie's, I mean, Kyrie has to, he's the guy that's got to fit into you know, it's kind of going to feel like a new team every couple days. True. So, I'm I'm excited though. I, I, I am too. I think it's going to be super fun to watch. Because look, it 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 can't get any worse, right? I mean, and if it does, they'll shut him down. So, he's supposed to come back Wednesday. That's yeah, in two days. And look, the Nets are 23 and 11. They're a great team. Um, they're in that top tier. So I think they're second in the East right now. Second in the East, a game behind the Bulls. Uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee is about there too, but it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. And I think that there might be, you know, I guess sort of a learning curve in, in switching up that game plan so frequently, but if they can get it down, they're gonna be they're gonna be really dangerous for sure. They've also been open open to you know trading Kyrie, which was kind of surprising in a way. But at that moment, it's like it's not I don't like anyone's gonna trade for him. It's like especially with at me being a Sixers fan, it's like I'd rather have Kyrie than Ben Simmons right now because at least he's playing. Right. Um. But. It's just it's it's very it's very odd how players I guess in a way like Ben Simmons is choosing not to play and Kyrie in a way is choosing not to get vaccinated because of his own beliefs, which you know I have to respect that. But um even with instances like the the Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr., where they just chose not to play or didn't want to play and chose not to and chose to leave. I think the NBA is, has become more of more frequent in players choosing and deciding what they what they want to do. Yeah, especially with these contracts. I mean, players kind of have the power. The Nets are locked to Kyrie for the foreseeable future, regardless of what he does. So Kyrie is in the uh, is in the driver's seat there. Nets can't really leverage anything other than fines, which they're millionaires, at least kind yeah. of. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're not 
they're very inconsequential. It's not like you're going to lose your job. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. That was um, maybe the most impactful segment of the day. The long way to returns. Now getting into Garland and Jacobs, most talented rookies. On to our next segment and our final segment. Me and Jacob create a list of the most talented rookies. Usually we, we don't like talking beforehand about uh, opinions or anything basketball because we want to make it as natural as possible for the podcast. But just to save time, because this has already been a long podcast, um, we made a list. And usually we do like top five or top ten. But we met in the middle, and we have top seven. So this is our list for most talented rookies. At number one, we have Evan Mobley. Um, I mean, there, there's kind of a debate on talent-wise uh, with Scotty Barnes. Um, Evan Mobley, averaging 15 points, uh, 2.6 assists, shooting 50% from the, from the field, um, and getting – so many blocks i mean not blocks rebounds um i mean he's averaging two blocks per game still um i'm trying to look at the rebounds right now but i know i think it's nine uh, I'll i believe tell you. um we had to put him number one um we had a conversation before the podcast on talented talent versus impact and then impact versus um stats because like we said in a clear example of russell westbrook i'm not saying he's not talented but stats don't show everything and right. i brought up the point of michael carter williams who on the sixers when he was a rookie one rookie of the year um got a lot of uh impactful stats but he's not talented compared to you know others in his draft class or just other players in the league in general um but luckily, at least we hope, Evan Mobley has both. So we put him number one on most talented. He's a seven-footer um, who can play defense. He's really good on offense. Um, had to put him number one. Uh, next, we have Scotty Barnes. If you want to talk a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean, Scotty Barnes, he – is he might have one of the biggest roles on this list. I mean, it's not a, he's on a good team, so he's not like the best player, but he is playing a lot of minutes, um, averaging, you know, 16 points, eight rebounds, three assists, very good shooting percentage at about 50%. You can shoot the three a little bit, but not a ton. And I mean, he kind of fits into the, um, the Raptors, you know, forward, kind of game that they really like, you know, they've got OG on an OB starting Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. They've got them all in there, all kind of like big forwards who are versatile and can do everything. And Barnes, he's just, he, he's doing just that. He's doing everything. He's getting a ton of rebounds. Um, he's scoring a lot and he's just making a huge impact on his team. And what I love about him is, and this is true for Evan Mobley as well is unlike the typical rookie, um, like some coming up on this list, maybe next on this list, he's really not, uh, he's not taking bad shots. He's not just, 
doesn't get the ball and just shoot a bad shot and kind of inflate his numbers that way. He, he just takes good shots. He kind of looks like a veteran out there. And for a guy as young as he is 20 years old, he really has some promise. And I think that that Raptors team, you know, they don't have the star power, but they're an extremely young team. Gary Trent, 23, OG Ananobi, 24, Scotty Barnes, 20. And all three of those guys look really, really good. And um, they are, uh, they're, they're only going up from here. So I'm excited to see where Scotty Barnes goes. When I was, I watched some, some Raptors games. Um, the last one I watched was against the Sixers about a week ago. Um, Scotty Barnes, when I saw him play, this is kind of ironic since, you know, Kawhi, I'm, I'm going to go to Kawhi a little bit, was also on the Raptors, of course, one of the most historic seasons in the NBA. Yeah, you remember that season for a yeah, particular reason. I remember that season. <laughs> I remember that season my entire life. Um, but he looks – I'm not saying he's this, you know, the same as Kawhi Leonard, of course, but just a more athletic Kawhi kind of. He has the same, same look, mm-hmm. you know, long arms, uh, broad shoulders, big hands, can shoot the, the midi um, and play defense. Yeah. Doesn't he look like a veteran out there? Like he's, just... he's so he's this might be there last year, um, a little bit, or like in the past. It's three draft classes. So Zion's draft class and Jaws, and then LaMelo and Ants, and then now this draft class. I would think that maybe this draft class is the most athletic draft class of those three. Yeah. Just all around being athletic. You know, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, and then the rest of the, the rookies we have left, which is a perfect segue to we have number three. We, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say like, you know, debated because if, you, if you've been listening for a long time, uh, we have some very heated debates on here. Um, but we were kind of deciding between these, these two rookies. Um, and then we did, the one that we didn't decide just falls to number four. But mm-hmm. number three most talented rookie on the list is Jalen Green. When you look at Jalen Green, I've watched some Rockets games um again probably out of scotty barnes evan mobley and jalen green you could there is the debate that he was put in the best situation but also in the worst situation of those three the rockets very young team probably top three youngest team in the league um on average probably pistons rockets thunder and grizzlies are the three most youngest teams in the league um they don't have a superstar I mean, they have some veteran presence with John Wall, but John Wall is doing nothing. He's falling off. He's not playing. Three years ago, he's not playing. Um, he wants to play, but he's not. Um, Jalen Green, he got injured a little bit. Right now, he's averaging – in the games he's played, he's averaging 15 points per game, two assists, shooting 40% from the, from the, the field, 33% from three, 82 from the line. Um. And, you know, those are not – I know, Jacob, I know you're a very – I'm a percentage guy. Percentage guy. Percentage guy. Not, not necessarily a statistics guy, but a percentage guy. But since he's come back, Jalen Green, and, of course, this is for all rookies, um, 
rookies are going to be shaky, of course, especially if you're on such a young team. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be taking a lot of shots because he's the best on his team. Um, he's going to be having the ball in his hands for most of the time. Um, and I think what, I mean, being in the NBA from a rookie to when you retire, of course, you're going to progress and get better. And part of that progression is learning what, you know, what shots to take or like the best thing in that situation. I think Jalen Green needs to get better at, uh, you know, choosing what shots to take and, you know, what shots not to take. But this is a list off talent. This is not the list off rookie or who deserves rookie of the year. If that's, uh, if we were doing that, then uh, Franz would be top three. On this list, he's not. Jalen Green, uh, he needs to get his shooting up, but he's freakishly athletic. Um, he can dunk anything. He's, he's somewhat of a good shooter. He can play defense. His perimeter defense is solid. Um, so talent-wise, we had to put him number three. Uh, it was either him or number four, which is Cade Cunningham. Yeah, so Cade Cunningham, I mean, similar to Jalen Green, he is on a very – you know, bad team and a very young team. Um, so, you know, he's really one of the leaders there, averaging 15 points, six rebounds, five assists. Um, but what really separated him um, from the pack for me, other than, you know, he's, if you watch him play, he's just a very athletically athletic guy, but he's, he's getting a lot of steals. I mean, have you seen this guy's steals numbers? I mean, he he is making an impact on defense. Two, two, one, three, three, two, two. Like those are just his past few games. Um, and here's a stat for you. I saw he has 11 games of two plus steals and 35 total steals in his first 25 games. That's the second in Detroit history, only to Grant Hill's 50. Um, in yeah, only to Grant Hill's 50 total steals in his first 25 games. So. I don't know how impressive that is considering Detroit rookies, but Kate Cunningham is making a much larger impact than Jalen Green on the defensive end of the court. That, um, and, you know, I can't say I've watched a ton of Pistons games, but yeah. every, time I, every time I turn it on, he's, he looks like a leader and he is, um, and I, I, he's, you know, he's playing pretty well. I'm not, he's not, he's, he did not contend to me with the top two guys who, um, you know, if you watch them, they're not all stars, but they almost look like it. They, they carry themselves in a different way with their percentages and everything. But mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham, I mean, you got to acknowledge both ends of the floor. It's not, it's not offensive rookie of the year, you know. At number five. We had to give respect to Franz Wagner. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Franz Wagner. Yes. Brother uh, of Mo Wagner. Um, to be honest with you, you can, you know, jump in at any time you want. I've watched him a couple of times. Right now he's leader for Rookie of the Year uh, on NBA.com. Not my Rookie of the Year, of course, um, but – Still, the talent's there. He dropped 32. If you drop 32 as a rookie, you know, that says something. Um, but we put him at five 
just because in our opinion, at least in my opinion, stats don't, uh, don't mean everything. And um, it really just came down for me. I know this is a hypothetical, but if I had to start a team with someone on this list, I would take K. Jalen, Scotty, Evan Mobley before him every single time. One of those players every single time before him. Um, yeah, even on Michigan, he kind of looked because uh, I watched a lot of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of looked, and even now, he just looks stiff when he when he plays for some reason. Um, but yeah, I don't really know a lot about him, so you can you can say whatever you want. Besides, I think. you know, Jalen Suggs has been out um, for a decent amount of time, and that's kind of when he really stepped into his role, and he's getting some crazy numbers. I mean, he had a 38-point game, a 25-point game, a 27-point game, and a whole lot of 20-point games. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you. Numbers are, numbers are only one thing. Um, he's shooting the ball really well. He's a good three-point shooter. Uh, and, you know, he is definitely a good all-around player or all-around offensive player, at least. He is – he's very skilled. Um, I think he's lived up to kind of to, – to what – to his ceiling. Um, and I'm really excited to see how he goes, but I think he just really fits into that Orlando team well with uh, – especially after Jalen Suggs went down, um, who should be back kind of soon, but he's kind of taking a new role. You know, their power forward and centers are kind of – true power forwards and centers, Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba. They're big guys. So he can really kind of do what he wants, um, you know, outside the paint. So he's uh, – I, I think he's just in a really, really good situation. And it was a, it was a, good, it was a good pick by Orlando. But um, – hey, There's you know, a lot of criticism on that, that pick. It was a good pick, though. I think I, – I, Again – for some, this is kind of, I mean, we're talking about rookies. We're talking yeah. about young. You players. never really know. So, and a it, lot I, of the teams that we talk about is just young. Just I, for some reason, they're just young teams. And I, you know, that might just have to do with record and draft picks, but Orlando's a young team. They lost Vucevic. They lost Aaron Gordon. Now they have Markel Fultz, who, you know, you know, you know the history of Markel, but still a young team. Yeah. I like Markel. I think when, if, good defensive he's got really good size but it is a it is a crowded backcourt in Orlando, so we'll see how that works out so now moving on to josh giddy so this guy has been going crazy he just had a triple double youngest uh youngest triple double of all time or youngest player to ever record triple double surpassing Lamelo, who did it last year yeah she's insane insane for that record to be broken so fast um you know, he is, he's in kind of a new role with Thunder, and he is lighting it up. He's gotten his last two games, 14 assists, 10 assists. He, he can pass. You know, he can score. He's got size. And he is a total fan favorite that everyone loves to watch. Um, so, he, I mean, he's just Josh Giddy. It's like everyone kind of knows him. He's Josh Giddy. I'm not going to lie. I might put him over Franz. 
just a talent. Like he's he can get boards. He can yeah. He's more all around. He's more all around. I I might have to put him above him, um, just because. I mean, again, I don't really know a lot about Franz, and I haven't really watched a lot of Magic games. Franz is a beast, but compared yeah, to Franz, I mean, games, Josh is Josh is more all around, but Franz is an offensive threat. Um, but Josh Giddy again, a lot of criticism with the, his pick. They're like, oh yeah, this. I mean, they always say this without of. I mean, besides Lamelo, who came from the Australian league, like Josh Giddy, but people don't know who Lamelo was. He's always been in the media. But like every single team that, I mean, every single player that is not from college and is like, you know, from Australia or, or Europe or something like that, always get a always gets a lot of criticism, but always, you know, turns out to be solid. I mean, like Luca, Porzingis, Josh Giddy, and of course Dirk um, have always, you know, they. They proved everyone wrong that oh yeah I'm just from, uh you know out of out of the country, yeah. you don't really you don't really know my name but I'll prove something to you and Josh Giddy has proven that he can do something on a young Thunder team. Absolutely, and it is very impressive because that Thunder team is not very good, um, and but he is still you know capturing the spotlight, so that's not an easy thing to do. Last but not least, at number seven, we have Chris Darte. He, to be honest, I haven't watched the Pacers. I think I'm surprised that we didn't put them on below expectations because yeah, the season, new coach, solid starting five. They're going to have TJ Warren back. But now because they've been losing games and haven't been up to those expectations, Sabonis went out of Indiana. Miles Turner is, you know, rumored to be uh, on the tr- trade block Malcolm Brogdon they offered that trade for Ben Simmons which mm-hmm. I it's I mean I kind of regret you know not taking it if I was the Sixers um you know Karis LeVert he just got there I think a year and a half ago or two years ago something like that um and now Oladipo Houston trade and Nets um, EJ Warren is still not back still not back New coaching, I said. Mm-hmm. Chris Duarte has kind of been, I wouldn't say the spark, but the best thing that's happened to Indiana this year. He started off the season as top three, even went into the number one spot in rookie of the year votes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ladder that's going on. I mean, he's dropped down significantly um, in that conversation. Again, yeah. I haven't really lot, watched a lot of Pacers games. But I wouldn't say he's more talented than any of the players that we've already said. Again, stats don't mean everything. Yeah. Um, I think you said it well. Like, he's in a very unique situation. Um, I think he's more one-dimensional than all of these other players. And super impressive, super good pick. Um, but, you know, he doesn't really have the, the role uh, to where we can really see him, you know, fully flourish like we have these other guys. Well, that's – I mean, we gave some honor, honorable mentions, sorry. Jalen oh, yeah. Suggs, 
Uh, Davion Mitchell. I haven't really heard much Davion about Mitchell. Him. I, I don't know why we haven't heard anything about him. He's playing great defense. I mean, he's in the shadow of Fox and Halliburton, but he's playing. I think it's great just a, a crowded backcourt. Crowded back, but he's he's actually playing minutes and playing great defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, he was a good pick. Uh, Singun, who mm-hmm. we didn't put on this list because let's be honest, like every every NBA ta- player is talented to an extent. Singun. He's he's very very tall and he uses that you know that height very well, but not not the most talented basketball player. Um, so those are some honorable mentions. If you have anything else to add, that that kind of wraps it up for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that wraps it up. Um, I think this class of rookies is one of the most well-rounded and impressive classes that I've seen in a very long time. Agreed. Um, like for Evan Mobley to just fit into the Cleveland offense like a lock and key. Scotty Barnes the same way. And then you've got Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, who were just so promising. And then the list just goes on. I mean, it's it it is gonna be a really, really fun year. So oh, hundred percent. And there's a lot of you know, just nervousness around this class because there really wasn't that super, I wouldn't say superstar, but like that, that player that, I mean, Cade, people knew Cade was going number one, of course, mm-hmm. but I'm comparing him to like LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, uh, Zion, you know, or, An- or Anthony Edwards going one, Zion also going one. There isn't like that go-to guy that's like, that's the best player in the draft class. Evan Mobley wasn't number one, and I'm not saying the number one pick is always the the best player on the, in the draft class, but people didn't really know how things were going to turn out until, you know, this late in the season, not even late, but you know, it's not like you're going to, you're going to put a rookie out there and they're going to drop 20 points like that, expecting to drop 20 points. No one expected them to do much compared to other draft classes and other players. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think, um, I think that wraps it. Well, I had a, a good time. First episode of season two. First episode of season two. We is a bit delayed, but we're back on it. It's, it's been a fun season and there's only, there's only good things to come.